We're holding the Nefesh HaChayim Shara Beis, Perakid Beis. And we're talking about how a person's tefillahs are meant to be focused on Mitzvah Hashem. Now we're going to see a very big Chiddush. The Nefesh HaChayim is going to take a Gemara, which the simple Pshat in the Gemara, and the way Rashi explains it, is very different to the way he's going to explain it. So we have to understand, firstly, the Chiddush he's saying, and secondly, how he applies it to the Gemara. And the Gemara we're discussing is the Gemara in Brachas and the at the bottom, Namad Beis. And the Gemara says three people in the davening literally to hold words upwards towards Hashem. And in the context, the way it appears is that something negative to do, that rather than beseeching Hashem or approaching Tefillah as a request, it's more like an accusation or a complaint which is obviously not something a person is meant to do. And therefore, the Gemara talks about these three people, and it's mashma that there was a certain chisaran uh, in the way that they davened. Now, these people were the greatest of the great, but nevertheless, the simple shot in the Gemara is that there was something incorrect about what they said in the, in the Twitter. But the Nefesh HaChaim is going to try and explain this Gemara in a positive way. So first, who are the three people? The first one was Moshe Rabbeinu. The second one was Eliyahu Anavi. And the third one was Chana. The Gemara there is discussing the Tefillah of Chana that brings her first. And the Gemara there says that Chana's Tefillah was considered to be Metiach Dvarim Klape Mado. And where is the Gemara learning from? Because the Gemara says which is the wrong proposition to be used in context of Tefillah. Normally when Davin's to Hashem, which would be with spiral El, but here's Al on, is Kilo Mashma, something which is a complaint against. And therefore the understanding of Tispadal Chada Al Hashem, which is she was coming to Davin to complain to Hashem rather than to ask to request from Hashem. Now, the Mashmal says, what was Hannah's complaint? So what the Gemara there says is that she says to, to Hashem that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did nothing in the world you created for nothing. Everything is created for a reason. And if that's the case, she says, the organs of my body which are meant to be able to create a child, to nurse the child, what they're there for if you're not going to give me a child. And the Gemara seems to understand that was an accusation in some, some way against Hashem. So the Nefesh Chaim brings the Gemara, it says, V'oshu Darshu Chazal Bechano V'hi Maras Nafesh She was Embittered at the spiral Al Hashem. And the Gemara says, Nashitiha Dvarim Kapimado. Ratsudaymar means, Hagam Shehi Atzmo Samaras Nefesh, even though she was bitter. The way Nefesh Chaim explains it is, in Kolze Hishlichot Tsaraminaget, she cast aside her own pain. She wasn't focusing on that. She didn't think about everything for herself. And it's the deprivation that she felt that she was childless. And she 
would rather she directed her tefillah on the tzar that would be the malo, and now it's a machmas she shri at the tzar, which came about because she was now in tzar. Now that needs explanation. Firstly, that's not the passions of the pasuk. The mashmas the pasuk was chanos and tzar, and that's what brought her to daven. And secondly, the question is, why would this be a case where there would be Tzai Lamala? Like we said previously, that in previous Shirim, that the Tzai Lamala is when a person has done something wrong, and that causes the Tzai Shechina, and then Hashem makes that known to the person by giving them Yusur. But in the case of Chana, we don't find that her infertility was as a result of a Chet. We don't find that was a punishment for her because she did something wrong. It was rather the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu created her until he did a nace and gave her a child. And if that's the case, we have to understand why there was a Tzar HaShchina here. The Mashmoas over here would be the Tzar HaShchina would only be because of the fact that she was in distress. And if that's the case, so then we need to understand how this fits into the principle we said beforehand and that is the way that a person is meant to focus on the Tzar Shechina and ignore their own Tzar is because they realize that it came as a result of what they did wrong. It came from the original Tzar Shechina, which was the result of the Chet, which wasn't meant to be. Whereas if we're talking about something which wasn't the result of Chet, so it needs an explanation, why would she focus on the Tzar Shechina here more than her own Tzar? If in this case the Tzar Shechina is only a reflection of the fact that she's Bitzar. So that's what we need to understand about Chana. The second example the Gemara gives is Moshe Rabbeinu. Even though it says that Moshe davened El Hashem, which is the correct preposition to Hashem, but the Gemara says, don't read El Hashem, but read it Al Hashem. And the question, why would we do that? And that's the Nefesh Chaim asks, the Fib Shutay, Why should we, so to speak, interpret the words of the Pasuk in such a way which would have a negative connotation about Moshe? And therefore he says over here also, Rather, it was meant in a complimentary way. It wasn't that it was an accusation against Hashem, it was rather focusing the Tefillah on Hashem. And therefore, the way Nefesh HaChem explaining here and above that Yitichot Dvarim Klav means was that not that one hurled words, so to speak, heaven words, but rather that one focused what he said, the matter, on what Hashem would want. And you have to ask also where we see that in the Tefillah of Moshe. Here it's easier to understand. Here it's easier to understand because Moshe's Tefillah was a Tefillah for Klai Yisrael. And the words of Moshe's Tefillah were that HaKadosh Baruch Hu re- take into account the Chilol Hashem which will get caused if you're going to destroy the Jews in the Midbar. What the Mitzvah will say, what the other nations will say. And therefore this really was a Tefillah focused on Kvot Shemaim. Because as we saw in the previous year, that's already Moshe had to ask. Klayashal didn't necessarily have this Chosim not to be punished. And therefore what the focus of the Tefillah Moshe could ask for was the Kvot Shemaim which would or the lack of Kochman, which would result in their punishment. So by much we can understand why Hitichot Varim Klapimala was that the focus of his Tvila was Kochman. But let's go back to Chana. 
let's go back to Chal and try and understand by her also how the tefillah was quite, was focused on, so to speak, the shechina and not on her own side. So firstly, Chana had been barren for 20 years. What caused her now to come to the Mishkan and cry and dive in the way she did? So if we look in the context of the Nach, it seems that every year Elkanah used to come with his family to Shira and he would, they would dive in there. And this time, when Chana, like it says every time, she was hurt and Elkanah tries to appease her, and he says to her, Am I not better for you than the ten sons that his other wife Pnina had borne him? And it seems that until now, Elkanah's response to Chana was that I'm davening for you, you'll also have children or whatever it's going to be. And she felt comforted by that. But now his response to her was, Am I not better for you? In other words, my favoritism. Isn't it more important to you than having ten children? She understood that he had given up. And therefore she was trying to appease he was trying to appease her by saying that his affection or uh, the marriage that they had with each other would replace the children she never had. And that's when she comes to Davin on her own. Now there's two Khidoshim in Khanist Fila, which the Gemara points out we don't find people Related to this previously. The first one is that she addresses him Hashem Tzvakos. And what does she mean by that? So the Gemara says that she says to Hashem, out of all the millions and millions of Tzvakos, all the angels, all the spiritual forces that you created in the world, all the Neshamas you created in the world, can you not even spare me one of them? And therefore she refers to him as Hashem Tzvakas, Hashem in charge of all the hosts, of all the legions, of all the multitude of spiritual koichas that there are. So Hashem, can't you even give me one? That was the first part of her argument. And the second thing she says, as we saw previously, and that she says, Hashem, is there anything in the world you created for nothing? You gave me eyes to see, you gave me hands to hold things, you gave me legs to walk, and if you're not going to give me children, then why did you create me with the body of a woman who's unable to have children? Now the Chiddush also is, is that one can talk about a certain creation in the world that must have been there for a reason. Hashem doesn't create things for nothing, we know the Mishnah says that Everything Hashem creates, He creates as, a, as it's there to give Pot Shemay. That doesn't just mean every species, it means every individual item. But Chana's Tefillah went a step further than that. And Chana said, it's not just every, so to speak, in living thing, it's even every organ in a living thing. And now what's the point of the Tefillah? So this is a, a second aspect we can see in Chana's Tefillah, on both these points. And that is, it wasn't just a tefillah of, please give me a child because I want a child. Or, like she says herself, you'll see that the suffering I'm experiencing. But there was also an element in the tefillah of, that there's a lack of, that the kiiru, it could be seen as a lack of kvot 
for one of two reasons. Either to see that or focus on something that Hashem created as being useless, as having no meaning, then it's because sin tends to indicate that Hashem does things for nothing. In that I have deal when medical science was trying to explore and understand all the parts of the human body, they came with some kind of ridiculous reasoning, what they call vestigial organs. Parts of the person which are not necessary, are not functional, they just happen to be there for no reason. And then blamed it on the evolutionary process, what came, how that happened to be in a person. And an argument like that is a, is a tremendous khidlasha. Firstly, the, if you're going to take it to the conclusion that a person's self-evolved, which is ridiculous, but even without that, the fact that Hashem curates things for nothing, there are these useless parts of the body which aren't doing anything. Even people don't do that. No one's going to open up a car engine and look and say, we know that valve or those two screws are just there for nothing. We're just put there for no, for no reason. We understand that a person doesn't do things for nothing. And if it was built as part of what the engine's meant to be or how the machine is meant to work, then it's doing something and we can't just ignore it. And then Kalvachem of HaKadosh Baruch is like that. Hashem doesn't create things in a person just for nothing. If it's built and meant to be part of the human body, then it's there for a reason. And in some of these cases, time itself proved to them how wrong they were. For example, there was a stage they thought, thought the pituitary gland was the vestigial organ doing nothing. And today we've only begun to understand how much of a tremendous the central role it plays in so many parts of human development. So the Hanukkah has to be that there's nothing for nothing. What Hashem creates in the body, everything's for a reason. And now Hannah took an argument to a new level. It wasn't just in the human, so to speak, anatomy, but in each person, person's individual body. And therefore to say that HaKadosh Baruch that looks like it's a part of me created for nothing, if I'm not able to have children, is an argument that therefore that would make a chilul Hashem. Now it's interesting that even though Hannah wasn't the first famous example of somebody who was barren, she was the first one to make this argument. And the reason is because Sarah Yimeinu, who was barren for much longer than Hannah, but what Chazal say about her is different. There's two different places which Chazal talk about it. In the one place, on the Pasuk, that it says that Sarah ain't no blood, she was missing the rechem. In other words, there wasn't that Hashem created her with a fully normal body and just didn't give her a child. She didn't have the capacity. She wasn't created with the, the womb to hold the child. And the nurse was that much greater that Hashem had to, so to speak, recreate her. But if that's the case, the lack of her having children wouldn't have been seen as a chisar in Kavit Shemayim. And the reason for that is, is because it wasn't that there was something which wasn't functional. Hashem didn't create it. That's the one Gemara. The other Gemara talks about Avram and Sarah, and it says, Avram and Sarah tum tum hayu, which means they were missing the organs to have children. And then once again, therefore there couldn't be a question that, why did you create something unnecessary? But Avram and Sarah is the opposite. Hashem didn't create and the nice was that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to change the creation he had already made in order to enable them to have children. 
And that's why by Chana we find this argument for the first time. Because we don't find that Chana was in a physical way any different to a normal lady. Just she wasn't able to have children. And therefore Chana could come with the argument. And that is HaKadosh Baruch if you created me with the normal body of a lady, how can it be that I won't have children? That's the first point. The second point, and that's our other argument, and that is out of all the millions of creations in the world, can't you spare me one neshama? Can't you give me one child? Now, it's not meant to just be a way of expressing herself dramatically. There's a, what's the argument that she's putting forward here? So we find a similar expression in the Torah. A similar kind of argument. And that was in Bumidbar when the Jewish people wanted meat. And they came to complain to Moshe that they didn't have meat. Now it wasn't really a valid complaint. Because the Jews came out of Egypt with flocks of animals. And if they really hungered for meat they could have shechted the animals they hadn't eaten meat. It was a complaint. It was a complaint because they were so to speak, restless in the midbar and they had tired of eating the man and therefore they were looking for something to complain about like the Father says they were misogynist, they were just looking for complaints and therefore even when Hashem offered to bring slav, to bring his fattened fowls to eat meat Moshe says it's not going to be enough for them they're not going to be satisfied with that because that wasn't really where the complaint was coming from they were looking for reasons to express their grievances not looking for solutions. But Hashem's answer is, is illuminating. Hashem says to Moshe, Moshe, I know that you're right. But nevertheless, now that they've made a request for meat, <coughs> if Hashem is not going to provide them with meat, then it's going to look as if there's something Hashem can't do. It's going to look as if Hashem is unable to fulfill the request. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to show that he can fulfill the request. Nothing is beyond him. There's nothing that he can't do. He'll fulfill the request, even if it means they're going to get punished for it afterwards, because they were wrong to ask. But let no one ever say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is unable to do something. And now what's Hashem's response to Moshe? Hayad Hashem Tiktar. Should they rather think that Hashem's hand, so to speak, is unable to provide, but they, he can't give them meat in the desert. He's going to, he's going to, he sent meat more than they could possibly have imagined, more than they could have possibly eaten. Piles of slav which were enough to last them a month. And yes, they were punished for it, but no one for a second thought that Hashem was unable to provide. Because, once again, that mistaken notion. That Kaddish Baruch Hu is incapable of providing whatever it might be is also Chidol Hashem. Hashem is unlimited. Hashem is all-powerful. And any way of seeing things differently than that is a affront to quote Shemai. And that was Hanu's argument also. Hayad Hashem Tiktar. If it's going to be interpreted as if Hashem can't give her a child so it's going to be seen as Kilo Hashem is unable to do something. And that can't be. Hashem isn't lacking for children. Isn't lacking for Nishamas. 
out of all the tzvahs he has in the world. There's no reason that Chanat can't be given one as well. And therefore we see both of Chanat's, so to speak, requests, or both of the arguments she puts forward, are both Kvot Shemaim arguments. The continuation of it is like that as well. She says that Hashem, if you give me a child, then I'm going to consecrate him, to bring him up in Hashem's house the whole of his life. Which is what she did. But on this element also, on the element of the request, it wasn't just on her own tzar. When the Shachayim is explaining, is that she focused what she said on, on Kvod Shemaim. And it wasn't just Hashem give me a child because I'm in pain, because I'm left out, because I'm sad. It's rather HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's an argument here for Kvod Shemaim. How it's, even if it's only talking about an individual, but nevertheless, the fact that it seems that Hashem created something for nothing, or there's something Hashem's unable to do, makes it look as if Kilu Hashem We don't find, besides for Chana, a shir, a song in Tanakh of the individual. All the shiris of Tanakh, whether it's Yamsuf or the shir of Devira, or the shir of the Be'er, or the shir of David and Melech as the king, were all coming as shiris for Kal Yisrael. Kal Yisrael was saved. And here we find the shir in a personal salvation. But the understanding here is also that it's because it was something here which was a certain, so to speak, Gilek Vat Shemaim. Gilek Vat Shemaim, which while she was barren, was missing, and when she was given a child, was completed. And therefore there was a mark of her to sing Shira also. Did people know about it? Probably yes. Elkanah was an important person. He used to travel around and bring people every Yemoyed, every Yom to the Mishkan. So people probably knew about his family situation. And the fact that Chana didn't have children and then after 20 years uh, was zaychet to her child. The Dashan of the Nefesh Shachayim that he says this She didn't take her tzar into consideration and she tichet divret filosa al tzar shlomalo which was nice and makmash hichri at the tzar which doesn't mean that she didn't feel tzar. The Pasuk says clearly, Yimara Snofesh. Her soul was bitter. The Pasuk is clear in her Tfilah. It talks about Oni Avasecha. Which it talks to the Eli Avasecha. It doesn't mean that Shachana didn't feel Tzai. What it means rather is that the focus of her Tfilah wasn't on her Tzai. It was Klapi Malo. And then she davened, so that's HaKadosh Baruch Hu would give a Yeshua and that would rectify the possible lack of Kvachimayim which would come about. Now even though he's used the Lashon of the Tzar caused the Shekhinah which was the result of her Tzar. And we saw previously that the argument of the individual who's in pain but that one's for Tzar Shekhinah is because that's a token for the original Tzar Shekhinah which means that very they did which caused the pain, 
Like we said previously, there wasn't an original Avera Bachana. We don't find she was blamed for something, which is why she wasn't given children. Here we only have the second point. And that is that when a person is Batar, Hashem is Batar too. But if that's the case, the Tfili here wasn't on the Tzara Shechina of to correct what she did wrong. The Tfili was on the first point, which is how a person can daven, and that is the Kvot Shemaim argument. And that brings us to Leo Anavi. And Leo Anavi standing at the base of Harakarmel, asking for the nest, for the miracle of the fire to come down from Shemaim. And then he adds a line. He says, You turned their hearts backwards. And the Gemara says there also that he was The Mashmoros is, This is your fault. You caused them to stray. Which makes no sense. Hashem doesn't cause people to do Averis. Why would then he cause their hearts to stray? And what's more of a question is, Why would Eliyahu say that if he's asking for an S? He's imploring Hashem to do something. He's not coming to argue with him. So what did he mean? So Nevesh Chaim gives a remez, a hint to it. And uh, let's try and explain what he means. And he says, This Pnei may be in someone who is intelligent can understand. And he says, You turn their hearts backwards. And Nevesh Chaim explains, It's Kenyan Sur Levavi. Which is a Chazal, Chazal say in the Pasuk, Tzur Levavi, V'chel ki Hashem lo'aylam, Matzano shakadish baruch ul'yibun shal Yisrael. Hashem is the heart of the Jewish people. Which is explanation. And then the Zahar says, in the Pasuk, V'pishachem shulcha imchem yavere, send the Shechina away. And then it says, Heishiv achar yeminay. The Hashem turned his hand backwards. And that's how Nevesh Chaim is explaining what it means when it says, Eliyahu says to Hashem, you turned their hearts backwards. It wasn't that it began with Hashem. It began with Klai Yisrael's doing Averis. But as a result of our doing Averis, we drove away the Shekhinah, and then Hashem turned his hand backwards. So what's it going to do with Eliyahu's Tefillah? What was he asking for? What was he saying? So let's see something very deep. Chazal say that Hashem is the heart of Klai Yisrael. He said, What does it mean to be the heart? So we saw previously in Nefesh Shechaim that the heart is the place where the Ruach is. The Ruach is a person's identity, a person's sense of self. And if that's the case, what it means, HaKadosh Baruch is the heart of Klai Yisrael, and we've mentioned this before in the Nehmunavadim as well, that it means that Klai Yisrael's identity is with Hashem. With the children of Hashem, with the nation of Hashem, with the soldiers of Hashem, with the believers in Hashem, with the creations of Hashem, our identity focuses on Hashem. And therefore, Klai Yisrael's heart, Klai Yisrael's ruach, Klai Yisrael's identity is, on, is Hashem. And now we see a scary thing. Klai Yisrael can do Averis and we can lose the connection to the Shekhinah. And Hashem won't be there to protect us anymore. But what you see by Eliyahu is another point as well. And that is Klai Yisrael can do Averis and as a result of that lose their heart. We can lose their identity. 
Not that it's not true. But it's, we don't feel it. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu removes that Shekhinah, it's Kainu, we lose the identity of feeling that, that's, that we are the Am Hashem. Now, why was this part of Eliyahu's failure? Because he's going to ask Hashem to do a tremendous mess. Bring the fire down from Shemayim. Let everybody see how the, the carbon on the, on the Mizbech of Hashem is consumed by fire and how the, the worshippers of the Baal were confounded. But there's a problem over here. And that is a person who has a Munna in his heart. He sees a nace and strengthens his Munna. He'll see the fire of Harakamral and will prove beyond doubt that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the God. But if a person's lost that Emunah in his heart, so a nace isn't going to inspire him to Emunah necessarily. He's going to say, wow, that was an unbelievable act of pyrotechnica. He's going to say it was a tremendous fluke. He's going to say it's witchcraft. He's going to blame it on who knows what. A person who doesn't have the basis of Emunah can witness miracles and not be convinced. Now we see in the Gemara itself, and this was Eliyahu's request. The Gemara says, Why does Eliyahu say the word Aneinu twice? Aneini Hashem Aneini. Answer me Hashem, answer me. And the Gemara explains, Aneini, and send the fire from Shemayim. Answer me and bring about the miracle that I want to happen. And the second time, Aneinu Shlayem Remaisek Shafim. Answer me that the Kleshel shouldn't say this is uh, sorcery. This is witchcraft. Which means there was the real possibility that Kaiser would say that. They could see a nace and dismiss it and say, ah, it's witchcraft. Why would they think like that? And that's what Eliyahu explains. Because, because you've taken your shechina away from them, they're not necessarily going to identify as Amashem. And they're not going to see a nace and immediately be overawed and say, this is a mason nace. There's a possibility they will dismiss it as being magic. And therefore, this was part of the tefillah. The Klaishol were in the sorry position that their hearts had been turned back. As a result of the Averis, Hashem had withdrawn the Shechina from them. And they were saying to Hashem, because you took that Shechina away from them, it's not for, taken for granted that they're going to see a nest and admit, admit that it's a nest. And therefore the tefillah was clever Shemaim, bring back that sense of awareness so that when you do the nace, they're going to be able to appreciate that it's a nace. And any Hashem and bring a fire from Shemaim. And any Hashem that they're not going to say it's Masek Shafim. That they're going to be able to re-identify as Klai Yisrael and know deep down that this is the Amos. And that this is the nace in the Shemaim. As we saw when the people saw the nace, they didn't just say this is a nice from Hashem. They came back to recognition, Hashem Hu Alekim. So that's what we saw by these three tefillahs. Even like I said, the simple chat in the Gemara is to be metiach tvarim klapimalo, is to make accusations heavenwards is not a good thing. The way that Shachayim explains it is the other way around. It was complimentary. It was focusing the tefillah on the tzarech of Shemaim in the tefillah's kiyum. Whether it was saving Klai Yisrael that there shouldn't be Chil Hashem in the world, whether, like Moshe Ben Adavant, whether it was giving Chana a child 
So it shouldn't, shouldn't look like Hashem is unable to do something. Or whether it was restoring to Klai Yisrael's hearts the identity as the Am Hashem so they'll be able to recognize the Nes and come back to the recognition that Hashem Hu'alekim. In all three cases, the focus of the Tefillah was on the fact that it will bring about a heightened, renewed sense of Kvot Shemayim.